A priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Untitled Catholic Podcast, episode 29. With me, as always, is Nolan Reynolds. As always. Is that a slight, like, like dig at, at your brother? I Well, I guess there was one episode that you weren't on with me. No, yeah, there was. I did a couple of mini old episodes with Justin, but other than that, I feel like I'm always with you. So, yes, yeah, well, it is, it is, it's not even a slight knock. It's a direct knock <laughs> at Justin. Well, and it is a... Uh... The reality is that it's in all likelihood that I'm not going to be on the next episode. Yes, which so. will be the first time my brother and I record without you and have a guest. who We don't know who that is yet. It's all going to fall apart. Yes, but by the time this re- by the time this is released, that other episode will have already been recorded. So it's crazy how time works. It really is. It's like a loop. Now you're getting too technical for me. Don't worry, don't, I won't deep. do that. I saw Interstellar, but I'm not going to pretend to understand it. <laughs> Nobody did. So if you couldn't figure out, by the way, that uh, we were talking, uh, Justin will not be on this episode. So we have a special guest today, Father Michael Duffy. Father Michael Duffy, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's... Uh been interesting hearing your banter back and forth <laughs> this is the first time you've heard us yes, is it, it is it is the very first time and i'm a, i'm happy to finally be welcomed into the podcast well we're gonna just be honest with you the reason why we have you on is because of how many twitter followers you have <laughs> I, I'm a pretty big deal <laughs> <laughs> and also a shapeless self-promoter well that's not nice no i mean it's it's a good thing i, I mean it's charitable because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story hey, it's, of my life. Yeah. It's not shameless when you got good things to promote. And Father, that's Michael right. It's Duffy all about Jesus. Great thing to promote. Yeah, Amen. I mean, you're not tweeting about the things that you're doing, except for today. You'll tweet about well, this. It depends how much money you give me. Well, how much do you want? We'll talk about that after. Well, yeah, we, we don't want to scandalize the faithful. Right. Speaking well, of speaking of when money. It, there, a contract has been mailed to me um, for the purchase of the podcast. So sell it. I will be. No, oh, I will. <laughs> we will be, <laughs> sell it. Sell it high. John McQuaid, friend of mine and Justin's, and friend of the podcast, is uh, has sent his papers and proposal for the uh, purchase and acquisition of. The Untitled Catholic Podcast. So I, I don't gotta, with, I don't gotta like give him one of my kids or anything. I don't know. Right? I didn't get it let, yet. It was just sent into the mail. So I, I will review it with my lawyers, and then I will discuss it with with you and Justin, and we will decide whether or not to um, wait until after I tweet it and, and get some of my thousands of followers to well, beef it up. The price will go up. That, yeah, we might be, yeah, we might be able to make a profit and not just break even. That's true. That's, wait, 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 wait. That's break a... even? You've put money into this? Yes, this costs money. Wow. We're committed. You're into this? Yeah. Not a lot of money. <laughs> Not a lot of money, but it costs money. And we, we have made some money, but it's all come from John McQu- We used to have to talk about kombucha, which is, you ever hear what kombucha that is? Kombucha juice? Yeah. And then Jesuits. And he would send, he would Venmo me money. So you're a legit Catholic hippie. 
Well, like hipster. Why is that? Because we I drink kombucha. kombucha. Yeah. I, I, don't, so. I only well, know hipsters that drink kombucha. <laughs> I guess so. I'm I'm about as uh, I wouldn't say as hipster as a priest could get because I've seen more hipster priests than me. But I mean, the, the more haircut I have, brings you pretty much to the limit of hipster. I know, I know. I have a very hipster haircut. Because <laughs> my, my brother, uh, I've realized how much cooler he is than I am. And some of the trends that he is, we've talked about this before, but some of the, the trends that he has set, um, I have kind of welcomed in a little bit over the course of time. But... Every year, we talked about this when I was in Nashville. When I visit him, I go to the Handsomizer to get my hair cut, which is not as weird as it, you, Father Duffy just gave me a look like I was crazy. It, it sounds pretty weird. It, it's not weird at all. You have a kind. You have a hipster haircut too. Not I right do now. Not, no. not right now because you need you need another one. I do need. But another normally, one. when you get a haircut, it's pretty hipster. Uh, yeah, the zero fade on, on yeah, the side is yeah. pretty hipsterish. Yeah. The blending of the beard. Yeah, exactly. So, don't, don't. I like to look good for Jesus. That's right. <laughs> All my friends make fun of me every time I get a haircut. It's like I have a wake to go to. You <laughs> <laughs> have a wake to go to. Yeah, I like to look good for the dead people. I mean, we have to. I we have think... to honor the dead by looking good for them. <laughs> we dress exactly. to impress, even if the person's dead. Especially if they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so i i think father duffy someone that i've known for a long time right before i entered the seminary i've met father duffy through monsignor mcdonald because when i was entering the seminary i had to get a cassock so he just for the proof that all good things come through monsignor i guess so yes so he he sent me um with father duffy to go and get a cassock and I, one of the things that, like, as you start any new process in life, but especially something like the seminary where you're going to live with a group of people, you have to vet the person that you're with. So mm-hmm. as I got in the car, having never met Father Duffy before, I was vetting him mm-hmm. uh, as he was vetting me. In all charity, um, there can be, at times weirdos in the church and so you don't say we wanted to make sure that i was not getting into the car with another weirdo well because i we am scandalized jesus christ <laughs> i never knew this this is this oh is... this is a great story <laughs> so i'm driving up to uh, uh connecticut to get this guy a cassock because he doesn't he's a he's a senseless boob as monsignor mcdonald would say <laughs> you boob and we're sitting in the car, and Mumford and Sons comes on. Yeah. And a uh, uh, little Lion Man. It had like just come out, and and I turned the volume up because I like the song. And I think when it was done, or right when it was started, I turned around and said, "You don't mind, you know, a couple of curse words, do you?" <laughs> and that was the moment. That was the test to see is he going to be a phony, pious guy. Or normal, and he was normal. That was the <laughs> litmus test, but, that, huh? but it's exactly like I used that as the test for him too. Yeah, he was we like, I was like, he's leaving this song on. He's not like because we there is a tendency, especially if someone has a conversion. There's like the 
the initial like piety that comes like with that where you delete all the everything on your uh, iTunes that's iPod, not that's not Christian it's yeah. not Christian and on all yep. these other kind of things and and I think we have the tendency as people sometimes to go a little bit too far and yeah. um, I, I started the box around yeah. the law so to speak right I, I felt comfortable at that moment to be like all right this is uh, this is somebody that I could definitely have a regular conversation with even though Father Duffy doesn't really like sports or anything like that. I like the Mets. We've gone to Met games. We've gone together. to Mets. Yeah. I brought you to Met games. That's right. That's right. Wow. Could you imagine not being that into sports but but liking the Mets? I mean, it's depressing. If you're only going to pick what's, one team, that's rough. What's wrong with that? They're the Mets. They're the best. <laughs> that's how you know he doesn't really watch them. <laughs> Father Duffy, you're talking to a lifelong Mets fan. To appear normal. Well, but what about the last Met game we went to? How together? many quarters are there in a baseball game? How many what? <laughs> quarters are there? <laughs> Nine. Nine. Nine it quarters. Depends. It, depends how, it depends how many penalties there are. <laughs> <laughs> and if they have to kick a field goal or not. Yeah. Um, but, but the last time we were at a Met game together, we were with a group of people. Oh, that was weird. And it was like... Um, they were they were church people. It wasn't weird as much as it was church people, and they gave us the tickets. And, and they're terrible. And the Mets, the Mets were like, they were like losing nine to nothing. And the seats were terrible. And we were all the way up. I don't care about that, but because I do, I'm a real fan. Um, and then we were like looking, and we were with a, a friend who was friends with the people that invited us, and we were like, can we like not sit here anymore? They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And we left to go get food and never came never back. Never saw them ever again. Yeah, we just didn't. It wasn't them as much as the game was just, it was a terrible game. And it I was, was getting I was cold. getting a headache from the altitude sickness. <laughs> I'm used to, much more used to being down low. Yeah, Father Duffy has a lot of rich friends. Well, just people that like me, <laughs> treat me to nice things. Like, like you know, good seats at my See, I, I have people like that too, but they always expect something in return. Oh no! I have more pride and dignity than that. I, 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 well, I say no to those people. Oh no! I, you know, I say yes. I just don't give in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! There was one person who was like, "Oh, I'd love to do this for you," and I was like, "Oh, okay, great." And then we did, and then like a few weeks later, they were like, "Oh, well, would you be able to do this for me?" And nope. I'm like, "Ah." Oh. There it comes, full circle. Yeah, and then I was like, well, I feel like I have to. So I have no problem saying no. So that's good for you. You're a better man or a worse man than I am? Probably worse. Your poor dog wants to get up on the couch. Oh, be nice to him. He likes you. I know. You can come, come on, Riley. <laughs> it's going to sit in between us. If he has anything to say, he could feel free to add whatever oh, he he's, he's a quiet, lazy guy like me. He's a perfect dog to me. He doesn't play. He doesn't catch balls. He doesn't, you know, run. He just sits, he sits and sleeps and eats. He's a perfect companion for Father Duffy. That's awesome. He's me personified as a dog. So He's morbidly obese. <laughs> He and, wheezes. And, he, and he's quite he smug. <laughs> oh my God. Is he a heavy breather? Oh, he snores terribly. Oh, he snor- you okay. can hear him as he walks around. 
Like me, when I say mass, yeah. Over the lavalier. <laughs> That's a King Charles, right? King Charles. He is a King Spaniel. Charles. He is the world's largest King Charles. Nice. It's actually quite, it's yeah. actually been certified he's enormous and morbidly obese. <laughs> His birthday, the paperwork that I have, is the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. Really? Yeah, the day I was ordained a deacon. How about them apples? These are pretty cool. So he's a holy dog. A holy, holy, and he's got a blue collar in honor of Our Lady. In honor of our Blessed Mother. Well, that's a match made on earth if I ever heard one. On earth or in heaven? Well, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. Do, do we want to get into the whole our dogs in heaven debate? I would say let's not go there. We've already alienated enough people the last few weeks. We don't want. We don't want to turn any. We don't want to lose any more subscribers and listeners and than you already have. Yeah, that's we, why I said at the at the very least it's a match for this earth. It is, and he <laughs> likes me. He provides me the companionship that Father Sean won't. <laughs> <laughs> Father Sean only visits my rectory when he needs something. Like you know, like like a, a guest host a on a podcast, podcast spot, to. right, or a free lunch or something like that. <laughs> I do free lunches. Yeah. I'm very generous. You're a pastor now. So you outrank Pastors me. Always so pay. You, you have to pay for my meals. You pay, You get paid more than I do. You say more funerals than I do. I'm pretty sure you make more money than I do. I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a funeral in like three weeks. Oh. Most people would say that's a good thing. Us priests would say, oh, that's bad. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I guess. I probably do about 100 funerals a year. Yourself? Yeah. That's a lot. Close. Even Close in Farmingdale, I didn't, I didn't hit that. I was maybe 68 myself. How many did you have in Farmingdale? Um, 150. Okay, we had almost 200. That's a lot. Last year. Yeah. So I don't, I don't probably actually do 100, but close enough to yeah. 100. Yeah, I mean, I think as, as priests, I think most of us would acknowledge we'd rather do funerals than weddings. Yeah, because it, the, the people get scandalized when we say that. But at a funeral, people are looking for meaning and looking for hope, and you get to provide them for that. They're actually listening to you. Yeah, unfortunately, at a wedding, most times, you're just the guy who's getting in the way of the party. Right. And that, one no, person, that actually makes sense. One person actually asked me once, how, how long is this going to be? <laughs> and I was like, about 30 minutes. And he was like, well, let's try to, let's try to move it along. I would have doubled it. Yeah. I was tempted to, to just keep talking. Oh, I would have doubled it. Mm. Sorry. That, it does make sense, though, because it's like those, uh, you know, the, the, the funerals. I mean, not that a wedding can't be a teachable moment, too. It can be. But the funeral is so much more of a, a teachable moment, I think. One of those moments you could really bring someone back in. You often hear people, you know, the, the moments where they lose a loved one is, is the moment they grew closer to God. And, you know, God forbid, in some ways that they grew further away or, or d drifted apart so you know i could see from your point of view those being moments that you really not that you look forward to people dying but that you look forward to those encounters with with people and the chance to bring them along yeah it's i've had some some i mean i would say there's been a couple of conversion moments yeah. that i've seen so far i mean more more people have returned to the faith and the church because of a funeral than a wedding, I found. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because mm -hmm. I could think of three people who have started coming back to the church after a funeral. And I can't think of one person who started coming back to the church after a wedding. I'd agree with that. I was here only a month. And I, I provided last rites for somebody. Um, buried them. And stayed close to the family. And there's an individual that's coming to Mass you know, every Sunday now that hadn't been for 30 years. 
um, because of something in that funeral touched them. Yeah. That's I awesome. Had, I had one couple, and they I, I don't know if both of them listen, but I know one of them listens to the show. So, Mike, Michael, if you're, I don't know, what do you, do you prefer Mike or Michael, whatever. But if, what, not, what'd you say? Father Duffy. Not you, not you. All the right. guy who listens okay. is Mike or Michael. <laughs> um, he, I, I was doing a funeral and his wife was at the funeral. And after she came up and was like, hey, can you do our wedding? And I was like, this is an odd question after a funeral. Um, and then when I met with them, uh, it was cool because like, you know, they're faithful. They, they wanted me to do the precanus so we could talk about papal encyclicals and stuff oh, like wow. that. Yeah. I, I had to ask in honor of Monsignor McDonald if, if he was sure they didn't want to be a priest. But he said no. So here's a hot button question for you. What color do you wear at funerals? I wear white. You wear white. I do. I wear white. I wear black. I, I don't think I don't think I could right now. I got to say, I, I was afraid to do it at first just because... The culture is so against it in the church. And yet, from day one when I started doing it, I have had nothing but compliments. People love it because it makes sense to them when you say, everyone else is in the church is wearing black. Shouldn't the church join you in your mourning? That's what black symbolizes, mm, right? Yeah. I yeah. just had that conversation yesterday with another priest. He was like, why would you wear black? And I, and I said exactly what yeah. you said. And I said, and I think it looks cool. It looks awesome. The kids love it when they come from the school to serve a funeral. Yeah. They, they think it looks cool. You know, the other thing is that we wear white for saints days. We don't know if this person is going to be a saint. We hope so. But <laughs> God, God help us for, for presuming somebody's in heaven. We yeah. need to pray for them. That's the whole purpose of a funeral mass. People, we do not have funeral masses to comfort the, the mourning. We have funeral masses to pray for the dead. And to help mm. them get to heaven. Yeah. That's why I became a priest. I think you too, right? To help people get to heaven. Yeah, that's the only reason why I'm a priest. It's the only reason I'm doing this uh, yeah. podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> hopefully there's somebody out there that needs to go to confession and this podcast will convince them. Well, you want to know something. We talked about this already, but um, to fill you in, you know Joe Moncada. Sure. Joe Moncada has been a guest on the podcast. He listens to the podcast. And he took something we said about confession and gave it to the kids at Kellenberg Beautiful. to try to convince them to go. So if that's the only reason why we have this podcast, I'm good with that. One Hail Mary, Absolutely. genocide on down. <laughs> that's the Monsignor McDonald way. In five years of priesthood, almost six years, I have never given more than one Hail Mary. I have, but to, not because that's of you're the, a mean priest. No, not to punish the person. <laughs> not to punish that. No, I know. Well, now that we got all weird about that, awkward. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting. Uh, maybe not so much to the people, but to, it's interesting to me, is that transition from um, parochial vicar or, or associate pastor to pastor. Because like for, for me, as someone who's not a pastor, whenever there's like an issue, I'm like, oh, you're going to you're gonna have to talk to the pastor about that. And I could always <laughs> pass the buck. So what is it like being a new pastor? 
you know, the, my world has completely changed. Because I, I was in that world for five years of being, well, it's not my responsibility. The buck stops with him. Go talk to him. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that everyone goes to. Um, it's been beautiful. I think God has really gifted me with, with the gift of, of a pastor's heart. So I think sacramentally, preaching, um, being present to people's lives, that, that has really changed and really been made beautiful. The, the challenges are, are the legal stuff, the, the HR stuff, the money stuff. And, but we can't just dismiss that um, because e- even Scripture tells us so clear that the priest has a responsibility for, for, the, for the administration of the parish and finances. And, and I always tell people, listen, the father of the family has responsibility to care for the for the finances of the of the family you know you got to make sure that there's food on the table and, and and I look at my job as a pastor as being the father of this spiritual community and making sure that that um, the parish is well taken care of and so it, it's been challenging but it's been beautiful I think God has given me in the just these six months the graces um, needed to be a, a, a good pastor well, I could say my aunt is a parishioner here, and she absolutely loves you. She wanted me to tell you that today, no. and she might listen to this podcast because you're on. Oh, I, I hope so. You know, I, I'm a popular guy. Although I think I'm still her favorite priest. We'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Father Duffy, I, you yeah. know, I'm, wa- I'm wondering if, um, you know, because I'm sure every person, every every man who who you know discerns the priesthood and, and enters the seminary you know one day imagines himself as a pastor because that's the that's where most guys end up um so thinking about like where you were when you first started and when you first might have thought of yourself as being a pastor and now being actually being a pastor in that role like what has anything changed as far as like your your vision or like like how you imagined, like something you imagined you might do, but now you're like, oh no, I can't do that, or or vice versa, like something you never, you you know, just just a change in in, in shift now that you're actually in the position. Sure, you know, I think Father Sean would agree that as young priests, even as young men, the only job we want in the church is being a pastor, to be the shepherd of souls, and to actually be the pastor of a parish um, has meaning to it, has heft to it, and I think when I became the pastor. Um, I think reality set in, the difficulties of day-to-day life. Um, but I think just learning to love the people uh, really sums it all up. I, I think I was, it, it, the idea of being a pastor was scarier than actually doing it, of not knowing. Mm. But now that I've been here six months, it, you sort of get a little feel for the, for the place. And I think I was um, planning on being a little more timid than I've been. I think I've been a little more aggressive in being... The pastor and, and putting myself out there and, and and wanting to be a part of people's lives. There's something as simple as my first homily in the parish. I explained who I was. I talked about you know um, wanting to be here and how excited I am to be here. And then I said, listen, I want to be your spiritual father. The only way that can happen uh, is that it, it cannot happen by just shaking your hand at the end of Sunday Mass. I need to be part of your lives. Invite me over to your homes for dinner. And they did. They they did all summer long. Even to, to, to this this day, I've had more dinner invitations than, than I know what to do with. You know, I need to get a new wardrobe because I've gained so much weight. <laughs> <laughs> the blood pressure and my cholesterol is through the roof. But Good at least I love the people. Slimming. 
Yo, it's very slim. <laughs> I put on my alb for the first time in seminary when I became an, an acolyte, and my mother said, "My God, you look like a whale." <laughs> Thanks, mom. That reminds me of a joke I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that's interesting about what you just kind of the question that you asked is, I think one of the things that we kind of always realize, and I don't think it's just priests, but in life is. That when you move into a new position, it kind of like what you thought it was going to be and what it is isn't always the same thing. And I think sure. when I when I first started in a parish, like you're in a seminary and you think like, okay, when I become a priest, I'll be able to do all of these different things. And then you you know you feel like you have more time and all this other stuff because it's not as restrictive, or I shouldn't say that it's not as um, scheduled. Yeah, formatted. Or, yeah. So, like, I remember, like, the first few weeks in the parish, it was like, I felt like I was, I had less time than when I was in the seminary, and it was something that was very shocking to me, among other things that kind of were, like, very different than what I expected. Not, not so much sacramentally, as much as, like, just practically speaking, like, when, when you can do certain things, and when you're on duty, and what does that mean, and how do you navigate all that kind of stuff, so... Uh, that adjustment and that 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 figuring out how to to live this new life. I'm sure like the same thing is true for you, Nolan, when you got married. The difference between being married and 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 just dating your wife. I I, I would assume that there are differences. Oh my gosh, absolutely. One of the worst things I hate to hear is that you know, people say you know you know marriage is just a formality. Um, you know, just uh, if if one just because you know, which is wrong theologically, but you know, just practically speaking, like everything changes when you're married, and everything, you know, everything is is different. There's you know, there, you know, some people will argue like for cohabitation and say that there's 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 no difference between a couple that's been living together for the longest time and and and, and a married couple, but that's that's just not the case. I, I think everything changes with marriage. And then kids, right? You, you have two kids. I'm sure everything yep. was different after they were born, too. Yeah, like, that's that was, that I think more than any other experience in my life, having children is something that I could never, you could never imagine. The good and the bad, like, you could never have imagined it. Like, you know it's, you know it's going to be a great thing. You don't, it's not like you don't believe people when they say, you know, the greatest day of your life is when your child is born or when you're holding your, your son in the arms for, your, for the first time. But it's like, it's really like a feeling that you can't even, you can't put into words and describe. Uh, and well, then, and then like the, the, cr- the craziness they don't tell you about. Pastor, is that when I was in Farmingdale for five years as an associate, I loved the people for sure. Um, but when I became pastor here, I felt like a father. I felt, I look at the, the kids especially and I think of, they're my kids. You know, there's, wow. there's a pride of being a pastor. Right. I'm the, pro- I'm the pastor of, uh, of Malvern. These are my people. Um, but there was, a, I think, an, a, an affection in my heart that I look at these kids as my own kids. That, yeah. That's... And probably with that, a little bit of like a, a shocking kind of you know, feel like, wow, that. like I really, uh, I really even step up my game too. I mean, I like, that's, that's what I felt when, you know, when I was, uh, when I, I was a dad for real. Yeah. Did you, would have... you find that like, there's like that extra like pep. Now it's like I gotta, I have more responsibility. Sure, I, I can't yeah. screw this up, kind of thing. Well, not not that's not just, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not alone the fact that it's my responsibility before God, right? You know, um, 
in Farmingdale, I was the assistant to the pastor. I, it was my job to assist him in helping people get to heaven. Um, and God, God helped me if, if I got in the way of anyone getting to heaven and impeding his ministry. But here, it's, um, it's, it's on me. It's my, it's my responsibility. If any of my parishioners go to hell, I have to be able to answer that to God. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be a few of them that do. But and it I might have not to make necessarily be your fault. But did I do anything to help them? Yeah. And see, that's the hard thing. Is like you, We're always doing something, but are we always doing enough? I think it's a question that we always kind of have to ask ourselves. Like, you know, recently... That's my examination of conscience every night. Did I do enough today to help people get to heaven? Yeah. Did I do enough today to make saints, to evangelize, to, to, to cast wide the net? Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough to think of. And then there's always like you have to make certain decisions. I mean, like even I have to make decisions. Prudential decisions, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know. Did I do the best thing? Did I do the right thing? This person didn't want to do this. And, you know, I, I said I couldn't help there because I thought, you know, for this reason was why I couldn't help. But should I have, you know, we always have to kind of take those things into account. And it, it weighs heavy because that idea that, yeah, we have to answer for this. Because I was talking to somebody recently, and they were talking about um, uh, someone that they needed help from, right? A priest that they needed help from. Um, and, and the priest, unfortunately, didn't help. And yeah. they were like, well, why? And I was like, I don't know why, but he has uh-huh. to answer for yeah. it. Yeah, I, I can help as best as I can. I'm sorry that that happened, and let's work on that now. I mean, I think you've had the experience, and I know I have, that... I have baptized more babies and married more couples that have had issues getting a phone call back or, 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 or arranging something because there's so many hoops to jump through. And I try to make baptism as easy as possible for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I baptize kids from all over the place. Um, and you know what happens? Their families wind up coming to Mass because the priest was kind yeah. and generous and wanted them to be here. Um, it's been beautiful. One of the things I would say, um, we'll toot our own horns here. <laughs> I'm always happy with that. I, I think that um, one of the gifts that that uh, God has given me is to be able to talk to people who aren't like good Catholics. And I feel like you're pretty good at that too. Talking to the people that, that aren't good Catholics. I hope so, you know, because I wasn't always a good Catholic myself. I, I'm still not a good Catholic. I'm still working on it. <laughs> well, I'm working on it too. <laughs> you know, I, I think anyone that says that they've arrived or they got it all, um, they're, they're lying. They're lying. Father they're, Duffy, they're just not aware. Yeah. Am, am I, uh, am I wrong? Did you, did you not? Um, were you not raised Catholic? No, I was. Um, but we were sort of, we were worse than the uh, Christmas and Easter Catholics. You know, we only went maybe, maybe Christmas and Easter, and I only went to Christmas and Easter because my grandparents would would drag me kicking and screaming. You know, mm. It wasn't until I got into high school and to uh, parish youth group that actually uh, I started going to mass. And, and was it a life teen youth group? It was not. No. Oh, okay. No. Where did you Where did you go to uh, high school? What was Probably that? I, I didn't drink the life teen Kool Aid. Sorry, Clubberg. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against life teen. You like life teen? I think life teen is awesome. Yeah. I think it's effective. Yeah. I think it's wonderful, but it was not uh, what brought me to the church. What ultimately um, brought you to the church? Yes. You know uh, where did I where did you go to school, Father Duffy? Group of St. Francis, Chateau, and Wanta. And 
I was going to youth group. I liked it so much. I said, you know, if I'm going to this youth group thing, I got to go to church too. And so I went to church one time. I looked up at the priest and I said, holy crap, I'm supposed to be a priest. It just like clicked for me. I told Father mm. Benedict Rochelle that one time in seminary. And he says, you know what we call that, Father, uh, Michael? I said, no, no, what father? A vocation. Hmm. It sort of just solidified, you know, um, my path and stuff. And it, it made sense. That was 1999, and I haven't missed a Sunday Mass since. How about that? Wow. Not even for illness? I can't think of a Sunday Mass that I've missed. Since that time, I know I've missed two. One was an illness, and one was when I was in a foreign country, and there was no Mass that I could go to. Well, then you shouldn't have gone to that foreign country. I didn't know that was going to happen because I went to Mass the week before. <laughs> in the same country. This is an interesting conversation, though. Should a Catholic go on a cruise if they know it's going to be on a Sunday and there is no priest on the cruise? I think we should save that for the last question of the podcast. Oh, all right. It's a good lead-in. Yeah. And on that note, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. I think one of the things that's, um, that we've kind of talked about before and um, I think is in, important for uh, something that a pastor could think about is when you come to a parish, um, you know, we, we live in a culture today that it's, it's, it's growing more and more secular. And it's, not, it's, it's something that continues to uh, affect us as, as a people. And as a society, and, it, and it, it's not—it's not like something that's immune to the church. That even people who are coming to mass, there's a certain secularness that they bring to it, or um, the Catholic culture of days gone by ha- has kind of disappeared. So one of the things, uh, at least on this podcast, that we're interested in is uh, creating a Catholic culture. Um, and I think the word culture is something that's really important. Like you, you, if you to go back to sports, right? The Patriot way, right? The Patriots have a culture in their locker room that when you become a Patriot, you know, this is what you're going to have to do. The Yankees, the Yankees have the Yankee way and there's a culture surrounding the Yankees. Like the very successful sports teams, none that I root for. But the ones that the Mets don't have this. Yeah, not the Mets or the Jets. They have a culture too, but it's usually a circus-like atmosphere. <laughs> not the kind of culture that you want to have. Not winning. Right, not winning. Not a winning culture. So when when you come to a parish and like you know Nolan at at, at Holy Trinity, me at the parish and and at, at Stony Brook and Father Duffy's also the chaplain at at Long Island U- University, um, CW Post Campus. Um, how? Like, what would be a way when you came here that you're like, I'm going to try to implement a Catholic culture or, or continue to further a Catholic culture that was already here? I think, you know, challenge, challenging people to get back to basics, you know, something as simple as committing ourselves to Sunday Mass, um, ringing the bells of the church hourly, um, chiming the, the Angelus, letting people know why we do that, um, Something as simple, when I first got here, walking around in my cassock, and I have a straw fedora that looks absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> but it's very distinctive, and the kids love it. So I walk around the parish, and now I have a dog, um, 
and I walk the dog around the parish, especially in the in the summer and the spring and stuff. And and I go everywhere, and people stop and they say hello, hey father, you know, something like that, as simple as that, um, is huge. I think the people need to know that their priests are with them, that they love them. Um, creating this culture of inviting father over for dinner, um, saying grace at meals, um, and then just giving people the tools necessary um, to, to, to help them live that out in their daily life. So one of the things that we're doing here in this parish, and I know in a couple of other parishes, is, is giving people access to a website called Form. Yeah, we just started that. It's awesome. It's basically the Catholic Netflix. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. content on it is superb. Um, it's easy to use. There's an app that you could use on, on your iPhone or, or, net, or um, whatever other type of phones there are other than iPhones. <laughs> tablets. I don't know what that is. but a tablet's like an iPad, but it's inclusive. Cheap. We're trying to use inclusive. Well, an iPad is a tablet. Okay. And there are other tablets, but I don't know what but they're called. But why would called. one want anything other than an Apple device? I don't... I, well, See, I don't I've know. bought whole hog into the Apple atmosphere. Yeah, I feel like once you go Apple, you can't turn around. Because my laptop, my iPad, and my phone all are synced together. It all has all the same stuff on it. I could look at something I was looking at one on another, and it's seamless for me. So I'm trapped now. And Even if I wanted to leave, I don't think I could. And the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> <laughs> But we do not take a vow of poverty, by the way. No, we did no, not. Form is fantastic. Um, it's one of these things that you could give access to every person in your parish for free. You know, the parish pays a cost, or we had a benefactor, and you give it out to everyone, and and people are able to, to use it at their leisure for as much or as little as they want. It's something as simple. Um, I mandated <laughs> that all my middle school kids use it. I have a parish school here. So the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders all have an account on Formed. And once a week, they get homework for a religion class to go home and watch something on Formed with their parents. Wow, that's smart. I'm going to steal that idea. Right? So, I mean, I have an ulterior motive. Bishop Barris has said the first priest to 500 gets a free steak dinner. I want 500 parishioners. Well, we have a lot more parishioners than you do. So I know, but I'm going to push. You. You're really going to push. You're going to screw me over, aren't you? <laughs> now that you told me no. that. <laughs> Sullivan and I are currently the neck and neck. He's got 300 and I'm like 250. Well, I'm going to start preaching about that now. I got business cards that I hand out after every mass. I put it on, <laughs> I put it on Facebook. I, I get it out there. I want that steak dinner. Father Duffy plays for keeps. That's it. I'm all about winning, baby. I mean, but it's like something like forums gives people the tools that they need to, to, to help like their family. And, and I, uh, but like also like what you said, going back to basics is I think one of the things that like, so I, I can say at Stony Brook, um, I, I don't know what happened before because like you have to remember at a college university, the turnover every year. Is so, is so a quarter of yeah. the kids are gone. Yeah. Like you, half lo- the kids are gone. you lose, you, you can lose a whole group in just one year because if your group is made up of mostly seniors and they graduate so one of the things that i i I was i'm I'm constantly preaching about confession i'm constantly preaching about confession always and i can say that um i don't think since i started talking about it and 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 maybe not the first couple of times there but like yeah. once i got people to come to me for confession <clears throat> i think every sunday and every tuesday that i'm there i hear at least one confession so the week before christmas um we heard confessions here because uh 
for the couple of months before that, we were not hearing very many confessions. And I said, this is not right. we got to do something. So the other priest and I, we spent the first two and a half weeks of Advent preaching about confession and pushing it. I wrote about it in the bulletin. Um, and then I offered times. And so often no. the, the mentality is, well, nobody's coming. We don't have to offer that many, time, that many hours. And it's the exact opposite. We've got to offer more times. We've got to, we've got to make it more available. Four o'clock on a Saturday is not convenient to families. families. So on wow. the week before Christmas, I heard, I, I made available 16 or 17 hours of confessions at different times of the day. And the other priest and I heard over 500 confessions. It blew me away. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the whole field of dreams thing. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. I have a parishioner that wanted to have um, perpetual adoration. And I was like, well, we're not there. We're not there yet. That's that's a big commitment. That, that, so offer offer adoration a couple of hours. Right. I did this in Farmingdale Monday through Friday. We did it for four hours. We had a separate chapel that we were able to use. So from four to eight p.m. Monday through Friday, we had confession. We had uh, adoration, and it was packed. We had we had two people signed up for every hour. I preached about it. And I, I pushed it at the masses, and we had over a hundred people. I call them guardians of the blessed sacrament. Mm-hmm. Over 100 that's people a hundred people. That's a cool name week. too. It's a cool name. Yeah. That would make me want to go to adoration if I was cool. I mean, not that I don't go. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean it to sound like that. <laughs> but like, if I were, you know, not a priest, where I could go to adoration whenever yeah. I want. But like, so you build I, it, they'll come. Yeah, I, I, offer, I, come. I spoke to the pastor about the perpetual adoration. I'm not thinking that we should start there, and he agreed with yeah, that. I was like, that's so a what big about? Commitment. What about if we do like this? He goes, go for it. We have another, a, a chapel in the, yeah. the old convent. So I said the first Wednesday of the month, we'll have an hour and a half of silent adoration. Um, so what we did was we implemented that. The first Wednesday, three people came. Mm-hmm. The next Wednesday, maybe, the first Wednesday, maybe 15 people came over the course of the, Night. Well, not, that's not true. It was like five. I, I don't, so then the next one, like two people. It's came. To, to exaggerate. Yes. Yeah. And and then, but like two people came and like a few people stopped in for a few minutes. But this past uh, one, it was packed. Mm. Like the whole chapel was filled. What, what would point. stop you from doing it every Wednesday? Uh, just because I I do the RCIA on Wednesdays. Oh, okay. So um, that's the problem is that logistically we're it's, busy. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to commit. It's hard for. See, the, the nice thing in Farmingdale is that all I had to do was the priest on duty exposed the Blessed Sacrament and gave benediction. Mm-hmm. No one guy needed to be there for the entire time. Right. So I had the parishioners themselves sign up to slot to take over slots. Yeah. I, I think something like that would be um, beneficial. And I let them take the lead of it. I gave it to a parishioner and he ran it himself. And but I, I, the reason why I didn't do it every Wednesday in the beginning is because I wanted to make sure people would come. So as people, because people who don't go to adoration are coming now. Good. So that's the thing where, that's what I want to see. And then we also have um, XLT adoration. So like praise and worship and a little bit of preaching that we're doing for the, the middle schoolers, for the confirmation okay. class. Um, but now we've had people asking me, when's the next one? When's the next nice. one? So now we've added more. And next year we'll have it every month, um, except for the summer months. Yeah, sure. And then it won't, because what we were doing was we were having like a, a fun component after. So like we'd have 
open gym, uh, bingo, basketball, um, dodgeball, like those kind of things. Uh, family feud, lip sync battles, like those kind of what things. What grade? Seventh and eighth. Nice. And then the sixth and fifth and sixth grade, there's a, a generous woman in the parish who was like, I feel like my fifth and sixth graders would, would love this. Mm. So she's taken that on and she has like a movie or a game night for fifth and sixth grade too. And, and that's exactly what it means to build a Catholic culture. Yeah. Our people need to look to the parish to be the center of their lives. Yeah. And, 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 and to have those kind of things for people. And I think a lot of times people think that like we need to do everything. But we don't. Yeah. Like when she was asking that question, I was like, are you going to run it? And she said, yeah. And I said, yeah. let's do it then. Exactly. We just need to empower the people to do it. You know, uh, people of a certain generation, a little older than us or significantly older than us, especially those that are from Brooklyn, when you ask them where they're from, they identify themselves as being from a certain yeah. parish. Yeah. I'm from Nicholas of Tallentine or, yeah. or, or, or um, St. Patrick's in Bay Ridge. Yeah. We don't do that anymore because the parish is not the center but of But I our think lives. you guys... Yeah. You guys really touched on like a, a key thing, I think, because Father Duffy, you started the conversation talking about bringing it back to basics, and you know the the sacraments, the the prayers, the 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 practices that that made us Catholic and who we are, everything from the bells and and the incense that that what makes us who we are, and that's important, and I think that's part of building a Catholic culture is recapturing that. But you also touched on the another point that almost seems to like contradict it and that's that you said you know about going into their world as well and and and, and meeting people where they're at and not being so you know stuck and rigid to say that well we just you know saturday afternoon is when we have confession like no you were in your wisdom you were like no that's not good for families so we, we got to make uh, yeah. confession more available you know uh, adoration is a, is a timeless treasure in our church and something that will forever be fruitful um, if we if we utilize it but how we do it and when we do it and how we get people involved in it those kinds of things can change sure. with the changing culture and with the the where people are at and I think that's what's really important it's a blending of those two meeting where people where they're at and and re-normalizing you know, those Pope things Francis that make us Catholic said that you know one of the greatest curses in the church is people that say, we've always done it this way. Oh, it makes me sick to my stomach when I hear that. We've always done it this yeah. way. It's not going to work, Father. Well, you can't change it. We try that. It doesn't work. Well, we've always done, done it this way. You know, can't change it. I, I had like a moment, I guess it's a little over a year ago now, where um, I was told that. And now I smile. And now I smile to myself as... Everything that they said wouldn't work is now working. So one of the things that um, mm -hmm. I, I, I called in a, a big favor um, from multiple people. Um, but the, the thing that I wanted to do at St. Patrick's to kind of have that moment where we have a change in culture was bringing in Ike. And so I talked to my brother, and he's like, you got to make it mandatory for the confirmation kids. Sure. And so I talked to the DRE, and she was like, great, let's do it. So we build it as a holy hour and a concert after. Mm. And every kid thought it was going to be terrible. But so many of them had fun. Even, if, even though they weren't listening to his what music. What made it fun? They were hanging out with their friends. And they were all hanging out, talking to each other, where normally they're just texting each other. And I mean, some of them were, you know, they're taking Snapchat pictures. And, do, and, and then, like, the group that loved the concert were in the front, like, jamming out and having fun. 
I specifically said jamming out because I know that uh, Ike doesn't like that. <laughs> um, as he said on this podcast before. <laughs> but like that was a moment that it changed <laughs> right. the culture. And then when we started doing the holy hours, people were less like, they were more Musicians interested in it. Yeah. And then they started coming. Because you know what? In in that one night, in that one moment for those kids, hanging at, out at the church became something right. that was fun and memorable, not something that was weird and put One of the things I asked one of the kids, he goes, that was actually fun. And I said, I told you it was going to be fun. Did you think I would recommend <laughs> something that was boring? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, there's one thing you got to know about me. <laughs> if I tell you it's going to be good, it's because I really think it's going to be good. And now we have a whole bunch of kids excited about going to Steubenville. And I don't know if they'll actually That's go, awesome. but right now they're ex- one kid. I think I've said this before. He was like, "Oh, it's like a Catholic Coachella," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, if that's gonna help you go, <laughs> then yeah, let's let's keep um, let's keep perpetuating that that narrative." <laughs> and we got to use the language and the words that they understand. Right, <laughs> right. If I got to learn how to juggle, I'll learn how to juggle like John Bosco. Yeah, you know, I think what you, what you've done is that. You've you've changed you've changed the confirmation program into something that's not just deadly classroom content. Right. There's still some of that. Right. Yeah. That still has to exist. It still has to exist because we got to catechize, but it's we have to be willing to acknowledge it's not working. Right. It's failed. The catech the catechesis mm. of the last 25, 30 years, if not longer, has failed. Our people don't know the faith anymore. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing now, classroom-style catechesis, has to change. And that's why I'm so excited about Formed and Chosen and some of these other programs. Yeah, Chosen's also something that's amazing. And and that's that's another example of kind of like what I was saying. Like, you know, the the content, what what we need to pass on of, of the faith doesn't change. Like, that's... That's exactly. that's forever. That's timeless. That's 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 tr- true and and holy and and all those things. But um, the way that we transmit it is different. And you know nowadays people are you know especially young people are are up with technology on their phones. You know always plugged in, always tuned in. So let's plug that the plug in with them. I don't think I could have said that better myself. So I'm. You sound surprised. No, I, I have a high amount of respect. I will say right now, and we'll uh, we'll tease Father Rob a little bit. When we were in uh, World Youth Day, right, we were having a meeting talking about like what whatever was going on that day, and like the whole trip or whatever. And it was getting late, and there were like some drunken Polish people singing songs right near where we were meeting, so it was hard to hear and pay attention. And we had been at it for about an hour at this point. And Nolan did exactly what he did right there. Wrapped it up perfectly. Ah. And it got quiet. And then Father Rob started talking again. And we're like, oh no. (laughs) But we love you, Father Rob. You think you'll get mad if we keep that in there? No. No. Father Rob's one of us. Yeah, he can. We always tease him about that. He'll be the first person to say that. And he might, but I thought I just thought it was funny because you wrapped it up. Nolan has a great way of wrapping things up. I like to I like to regurgitate what other people say in my own words. If only for my own it makes sake. You sound, it makes you sound smarter. So good for yeah. you. 
I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, especially, you know, because I work with teenagers all these years, that you have to repeat things and say things in other ways, and that's always helpful. At least it was always helpful to me to remember it, so I tend to do that in my regular conversations as well. <laughs> so, back to the question that was posed before. We'll pose it to you, Father Duffy. A, a, a Catholic going on a cruise knowing there won't be a priest. What do you have to say? Unless they could get permission from their pastor to be exempted from that Sunday Mass, no, they cannot. Or they have to take me with them. <laughs> Although, that, that didn't work the way we wanted it to work. Oh, I didn't know that was the question. <laughs> I was really interested in the answer. I mean, I was ready to answer it myself, even. <laughs> what was wrong with my answer? It's not no, your, your answer, answer was great. The answer was fine. Normally, we end the podcast by asking a question that's hard to answer, and then we interrupt it with the final amen. Oh, yeah, no, that didn't happen. No, because Father, I mean, Nolan was listening to the answer all no. excited. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to add my two cents as well. It's a good question. But, I mean, like, so you would you give the person dispensation? I would. I, if it was somebody that regularly comes to Mass and... Didn't realize that there was not going to be a priest. Yeah, because sometimes you go there and there are priests. And then that's great. But I think we have to be responsible in, in making plans for the Sunday Mass. We should not be going on trips or uh, making plans that um, have a good, strong possibility of us not going to Mass. It's literally written in stone. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Well, I hate the water, so I don't ever... However I go, there is mess, so I don't have to worry about that. We're, we're safe. We're covered. Yeah. yeah. That's why people should take I us would, with them. I would That's not true. dare to uh, wanna... presume anything about somebody who, who booked a trip. You know, they they could have been told that there would be a priest there. They could have been... You That's know, they could have... The, the time could have changed. I mean, there's a lot of things. So I wouldn't... I would never judge somebody and presume anything. But at the same time, like, as somebody who is trying to raise a family Catholic... You know, I'd find a my first my first question would be like, you know, can I find a cruise that that avoids a Sunday? You know, that can exactly. I find a cruise that like leaves on a Sunday night and comes back on a Saturday or, you know, uh, whatever leaves on a Monday. Or is in a, in a Catholic country for on Sunday that you could go to mass? Exactly. Like I was uh, I was talking to a, a parishioner that that. They were like, oh, yeah, we stopped in Puerto Rico on a Sunday. We went to this great mass, and it was yeah. wonderful. Um, and then I know other parishioners that, that like, you know, it's kind of like Russian roulette. Yeah. You're hoping that you can get a priest. You're hoping that you could stop somewhere where you can get to mass. And it's it, their intention to go, and, and sometimes it just doesn't work yeah. out. Is Sunday mass um, worth just hoping you can get to? I mean that's a cover, that's a conversation that we could get into another yeah. time. Um, I'm just saying the Sunday Mass is so important we should make it a priority. It's part of even when we're on it's vacation. part of building a Catholic culture. I think you know our our, exactly. our goal should be to strive to, you know, we're not saying that people got to be in 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 the church all day on Sunday, but um, you know, question number one for the weekend is what time am I going? You know, when am I going to Mass this weekend? And then everything else follows. Exactly. I'm smirking right now because I have a story that I can't tell on the air. But I'll tell you guys as soon as we hang up this uh, Sounds good to me. This Google Hangout. <laughs> do you want to end well, Do I you want to end we... with a question anyway? 
Yeah, let's think of something. Um, I got a question for Father Duffy we can ask him. I got one too, but I don't want to ask it, so go ahead. All right. Father Duffy, final question. You're very active on Catholic Twitter, as they like to call it. Who is the most who is the most controversial figure and in your opinion and should have their Twitter handle removed in uh, in Catholic Twitterland? That's an interesting question. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I'd have to think about that. Oh, man. Well, looks like you were saved by the final amen, and you don't have to answer not. that question. Oh, good. I wasn't going to anyway. <laughs> I was going to weasel out of that one. So, Father Duffy, do you have anything that you would like to um, to add? Keep doing what you're doing. Catholic podcasts are important. Well, thank you. And find a name for it. <laughs> Nolan, anything that you want to say? No, no not, not at all. This was this no. was a lot of fun. Thank you, Father Duffy. Yes, thank you for being on. You're welcome. And, and God bless everyone who uh, listens to this podcast. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.